in heaven. We're so grateful that we can come to Education Week and that we can gain knowledge and understanding of things and for the help that gives to us in our life so that we can um, utilize the gospel better in our lives. And we pray that God will help Barbara as she teaches us today that she'll be loved by the Spirit and be comforted and uh, that we will also hear by the Spirit and um, be able to gather that information that we can, that will help us to understand um, our role. And we ask for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. all the way 
drove out to Michigan doing his best to be her there. My mom had taken all the money that my dad had given her, which was a matter of a few dollars, put it back in his pocket with him not knowing because she felt that he would need it more than she would because she was flying and he was driving. There was no extra money to be had between the two of them. So in this airport, with my mom being pregnant with my brother and not able to do anything to comfort my sister, she waited and waited and waited and waited all day and could not knock it on the airplane. She actually said that she went to the bathroom, and in the bathroom, as my sister had gone to the bathroom all over herself, she tried to wash out the, the diapers back in the day, and in the process dropped one of the pins in the toilet and flushed it by accident and lost the pin. So she was left with one diaper, not able to carry my sister, on the verge of another miscarriage, she already had five, and not knowing exactly what to do. She said that she wished she had a coin or something that she could call someone and tell her she was in trouble, but she had nothing to her name. She'd given every penny literally to my dad. So she said she finally got so exhausted, my sister was crying and pleading to be held and she couldn't hold her, that finally she just went toward the walls in the airport and she slouched up against it and just fell down. My sister crying and she just sat there and pled that somehow she'd be able to keep this baby and the Lord would be able to help her. It was in that moment that she had a, a, an elderly man come to her and say, can I help you? She said the airport was completely packed. Everybody was stopping in, 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 at the O'Hare airport, she thought. She said Miss America was actually to the side. She could see her on the left. She had the banners and everything on her. People were doting over her right left money, paying for things and everything. My mom just said she sat there alone, weeping. And then this man, saying to her, can I help you, picked up my sister, soaked his suit with her urine, asked my mom if she could have a piece of bubble gum, my sister that is, my mom agreed, and he just sat and watched and talked and cared for my mother. After assessing the situation, he went to the front of the line, and somehow, miraculously, if you don't know how, he got my mom on the next night to airplane out. And she was able to arrive in Michigan, healthy enough to give birth to the newborn baby, but in the process was declared dead as she gave birth to that child. They were able to revive my mom, as you can imagine, the scare and, and, and the frustration and everything that was going on in my dad as he's hearing about all of this going. He actually was there at this time, so he, they finally came together. So the man at the airport, as many of you know, is President Spencer W. Kimball. And he did not know my mom from Eve or from anybody else in this world. He had no idea that my mom was this woman that was trying desperately to keep the covenants that she had made in the temple and the promises that she had made with my father and to follow the spirit that she had been given to be able to have a family. She was one person in thousands and thousands and thousands of individuals that day. But somehow, this apostle of the Lord recognized what the Lord wanted him to do was on his errand. Sometimes it's clear that we can see that the prophet or an apostle is using priesthood power and authority. But what about the priesthood power and authority of my parents in that situation? What kind of priesthood power and authority was my mom using? What kind of priesthood power and authority was my dad using? In my family, I mean, this is always, my mom has always said, this is a story about President Kimball, so she never like, let us talk about it, I mean, with her as the main person. But my mom passed away 10 years ago last week, and she doesn't have a say in it anymore. <laughs> so I can talk about it with her and mine all I want. It's great. And sometimes I think she's here saying, really, Mark, but that's okay. Often we think about priesthood and priesthood power, priesthood authority, and we've come a long way from doing this as something that a man is ordained to. But we understand now, especially the teachings of President Nelson and President Oaks and President Ballard, President Hiring, and every member of Form of the Twelve, I think, and every new study leader to this point in the last 10 years, that priesthood is much more than that. So as we get started, I'm just gonna talk to you, do some basics today, and I'm gonna build on it every day. And so we get to Friday, we're going to talk about priesthood, and specifically temple, and then how to bring it home, and what that looks like in the life of a family, life of a woman.
individual, life of a divorced person, whatever that is. So I'm going to start out, first of all, with this quote. This quote actually comes from um, Education Week in 2014. Sorry, I have to see my mic. Okay, here we go. Um, this is Sister Burton. Sorry, this is 2000, yeah, 2014. She said, in the recent 2013 Worldwide Leadership Training, Elder Oaks emphatically stated, men are not the priesthood. To me, that is a wake-up call as well as an invitation to all of us to study, ponder, and come to better understand the priesthood. Sisters and knighthood and brethren, we cannot stand up and teach those things we do not understand and know for ourselves. It used to be that when I would speak about priesthood, I would have a lot of people that would come and say to me, why are you talking about priesthood and women? I mean, who really cares? Or isn't that a really taboo topic? Or this is the one I cringe at every time. I don't have a problem with it, so why would I ever listen to it? Sisters, I don't have a I don't have a problem with mint brownies, but I still eat them, right? I, I don't have a problem with swimming, but I love to swim. I, I don't have a problem with the temple, but I go. Does that make sense? The idea from long ago that we don't have a problem with it, therefore we don't need to study it, I hope is far gone, and I think it is today, especially we have prophetic invitations today. We study the priesthood for many reasons, but one very important reason we study the priesthood is because it's a commandment from God that the doctrines of the priesthood will distill upon us. We have a prophet today that is pleading literally pleading with the men and women to understand their priesthood privileges. So we have this with Sister Burton, and just a reminder to you, how are you going to teach it if you don't know it? This last week I was speaking in Aspen Grove, and I had a great time with a bunch of youth, a fireside of youth. I asked them all just to write me any question that was on their mind. Anything they wanted to say, just ask, just write it down, and I would do my best to answer like three of them. So they wrote down a piece of paper, and I thumbed through it really quickly, I cannot tell you how many of our youth are asking questions about the temple without me even mentioning it to them. One individual wrote on a piece of paper, why don't my parents talk to me about the temple? Another youth wrote, what's so secret about the temple that makes my parents afraid of talking to me about it? Another individual wrote, why can't I learn more about the temple and the basic places that the church teaches things? That last one was an easy answer, because they do, and we'll talk about that more on Thursday and Friday. But I have noticed among parents and grandparents that often we don't talk about the things we don't know a lot about. And so when I get notes and questions like that from students, I start wondering what it is that we are talking about, why we are talking about it, and why we are not talking about it. It's like being a teacher. I think some of you may have had this experience. If you're teaching a class and you know the students' names, you're more likely to call on them. True? If you think about it? If you don't know the students' name or you don't know how to pronounce it, often we don't call on them. Because we don't know their name. It's an uncomfortable thing. It's the same thing with the temple. And the same thing with priesthood. Often we don't talk about the priesthood, we don't talk about the temple at the level we could be and frankly should be doing with our children as the prophet has taught us. Because we don't know enough about it. Some people aren't talking about the temple because they don't know what they can and what they can't say. And so they just don't. That causes for many youth and many becoming adults, young adults, a real anxiety or a real confusion or a real misunderstanding about the temple. The more we understand about the temple and the priesthood and the more we understand what we can and can't talk about, the more we are comfortable in talking about it the more we want to have questions and answers, and the more we are capable of helping others be converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the more capable we are of bringing to pass the immortality, the eternal life of God's children. The temple and the priesthood has been a hot topic among the brethren for years, but especially in this last 10 years, like never before. So here's a quote from President Ballard. He says this, this is a women's conference in 2015. Notice I'm just, I'm kind of chronologically going through a few quotes. He says, you have been baptized into the Lord's church. You have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And many of you have been endowed, and some of you have been sealed in the house of the Lord. Like faithful sisters in the past, you need to learn how to use the priesthood authority with which you have been endowed. 
to obtain eternal blessings that will be yours. Notice the statement where he says, you need to learn. You need to learn how to use. And then what? Well, you need to learn how to use the priesthood power, I mean, the priesthood authority, with which you have been endowed. In 2015, President Albert, to all the women who attended the women's conference, and officially supported by the church. Then we go to 2015. Many of you know this talk from President Nelson, including my sisters. He says this, We, your brethren, need your strength, your conversion, your conviction, your ability to lead, your wisdom, and your voices. The kingdom of God is not and cannot be complete without women who make sacred covenants and then keep them. Women who can speak with the power and authority of God. What's another word for the power and authority of God? The priesthood. We need women who can speak using the priesthood, in other words. He continues, We need women who are devoted to shepherding God's children along the covenant paths for his exaltation. Women who know how to receive personal revelation. Who understand the power and peace of the temple endowment. Women who know how to call upon the powers of heaven to protect and strengthen children and families. Women who teach fearlessly. I hope you see that this is a theme of President Nelson. He has been calling upon the women of the church and the men of the church, but specifically the women of the church, to call upon their power, God's power, for the purpose of their family for the last seven years. Since the day he was called, since the first talk that he gave at General Conference as the president of the Quorum of the Twelve, to now he's serving as the prophet of this church. It's been the same plea. He adds other things in there, in there as well, of course. Talks about faith, the importance of faith, and your spiritual momentum. All of these things, though, are for the purpose of women and men together being able to understand the things of God and use God's power for his purposes on the earth, which is to save the souls of the children of God. So continuing. Now this is to the men of the church, April 2018. Now may I voice a concern. It is this. Too many of our brothers and sisters do not fully understand the concept of priesthood power and authority. I fear that too many of our brothers and sisters do not grasp, grasp the privileges that could be theirs. I'm going to tell you just a story for myself. When I was working on my book, the book called The Priesthood Power of Women, and while I was working on this, I was pretty much ready to go. I had it, I had it written, I had the quotes that I needed, I had the thoughts, I had everything, except I never heard a prophet of the Lord refer to section 84 in terms of women. And so I felt, even though I had written a part of my chapter upon that, about that topic, I felt that I couldn't go that far. Because I hadn't, I hadn't been given a quote or in a sense permission. I'm very careful to not go ahead for brethren. And I didn't have that permission yet. So in April, when President Nelson gave this talk, I thought to myself, okay, he just said men and women, men and women. And then, as soon as the footnotes came, I ran to the footnotes. And where does President Nelson draw that from? Section 84. At that point, I knew I could turn my book in. Because the prophet has spoken. And now I could be quoting the prophet instead of just quoting what to me seemed very obvious. Does that make sense? So how much I appreciated President Nelson for doing this and speaking to the men and referring to the women at the same time and using those footnotes. If you ever want to read a really, really, really good talk, read the footnotes from President Nelson's talk. It'll take you like years to get through one talk. They're amazing. There's so much in his footnotes. Okay. But notice he quotes then, or not quotes, but his references are section 84 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verses 19 through 22, and then Doctrine and Covenants 107, verses 18 and 19. I'm going to read these to you. And I want you to think, these are the privileges that he's saying both women and men are missing out on. So section 84 of the Doctrine and Covenants, starting in verse 19. He says... And this greater priesthood administereth the gospel and holdeth the key of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. We're going to talk about what this means, this greater priesthood. Many would say it's the Melchizedek priesthood, which it is. But what's the highest level of the Melchizedek priesthood? It's the patriarchal order. That is a concept 
that is misunderstood often among members of the church. What they are losing here, what they are promising here, what President Nelson is talking about is the patriarchal order of the priesthood, the highest order of the Melchizedek priesthood. So he's saying, all those who enter, sorry, and this greater priesthood administered the gospel and hold the key of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. Let me ask you a question. We'll talk about this a little bit more tomorrow. Who holds keys in the priesthood? You know the answer. We say this all the time, right on the board, right? First presidency, quorum of the twelve, the main faithful is mission president, state president, bishop, teachers quorum president, deacons quorum president. They're all men, right? Which is fantastic, and which I'm very grateful for. I'm so grateful that my husband was able to give my girls priesthood blessings last night before they started school today. Beyond grateful. I'm so grateful that I have a father. He has passed away, but I still consider him present. But I have a father. Who gave our family priesthood blessings, who presided in our home with righteousness and with meekness. I'm so grateful that my mother also was equally yoked in every way to my father. I'm so grateful for, for a, a wonderful bishop. I was single until I was 40. I'm grateful for all the home teachers that came to my home and blessed me through the priesthood. But as President Nelson said, I'm also grateful for, the, for those bishops and for those home teachers, and for my father and my brothers who understood that although I was not ordained to a priesthood office, there was priesthood in my home because I had been endowed with priesthood power and made covenants for that purpose. I'm grateful for those home teachers that whenever it was time to pray, they would call upon me to call on someone because they knew I presided in my home. I'm grateful for a father who, when he came to visit me, would ask me who should offer the prayer or who should do things because he knew I presided in my home. I'm grateful that my, those, those very significant people in my life understood this distinction. It was very important to my, to my single adult life. And it's very important for me as a missionary. It's important for me now as a teacher. It's important for me now as a mother. We have to pray the Christ to understand these, these differences and distinctions and nuances in the priesthood. So continuing on. Okay, so, so back to the key, the key of knowledge. You don't have to answer your hand, or raise your hand like this. If I had a little clicker, I would have you click this just to see, because this is actually a curiosity. Actually, if I could just, can I just ask you to be humble just for a second? Do you mind? I want, I want a serious, if you need to close your eyes, you can. This is my own curiosity here. Before getting into all of this and having this discussion about key of knowledge, I just want to know, you know what, close your eyes. I, I really want an honest, humble, close your eyes. Please do this for me. How many of you really, and how many of you believe that that key of knowledge is given to women? Okay. <laughs> you can open your eyes. Okay, there are a few you're going like this. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means either. It kind of is given to women, or I kind of don't know. Or, or what, but I will say something. I have asked that question over the years. This is the first time I have received a majority of hands raised. That's impressive to me. Because this key of the knowledge of God, as President Nelson talks about, is like a gift. It's a different term of key, a different kind of key. This isn't a priesthood holder key. This is a key or a gift or an opportunity or something that women and men both have that gives them the gift of knowledge. Again, we'll talk about that when we talk more temple, because this is a temple section. So continuing on, therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of God is manifest, and without the ordinances thereof, and the authority of the priesthood, the power of God is not manifest unto men in the flesh. Finishing up, for without this no man can see the face of even the face of God, even the Father, and live. So if we just look at verses 18, that if we just look at section 84, verses 19 through 22, can you see what priesthood privileges you may be missing? Can you look at that and say, do I have the key of knowledge? Do I have the key of the mysteries of the kingdom? Do I understand the ordinances so much that the power of godliness is manifest? And am I a witness of the power of godliness being manifest in the ordinances that I have seen partaken of and watched other people partake of? Do I either figuratively or in reality have the capacity and the power to see the face of God, even the Father, and live. 
Joseph Smith says we have to learn to become gods ourselves. Going from one degree to another until, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until we are able to dwell in everlasting burdens. We have to become and learn to become gods ourselves. We don't just one day enter into, enter into the realm of God. There are exceptions in the scriptures that that happens to. But is it possible for every individual in this room to be in the presence of God? Is it possible for every single person in this room to see God and live? It doesn't just say see God and live. Because we have to be able to withstand the everlasting burnings to live. There's so much that President Nelson is talking about here in this few verses of scripture. Then you turn to section 107. Other priests and privileges that he is concerned that both women and men are not, are not receiving. So section 107, 18 through 19, he says, the Lord says, the power and authority of the higher Melchizedek priesthood is to hold the keys of the spiritual blessings of the church. To have the privileges of receiving, notice that word receiving, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. We, we talk all, all the time about baptism. When you are baptized, the person who ordained you to a member of the church said to you in the confirmation, receive the Holy Ghost. And we're really good at telling our youth, that means you need to do something. You've been given the opportunity to have the Holy Ghost, but you need to receive it, right? It's no different with the priesthood. Look at that word. To have the mysteries of receiving, sorry, to have the privilege of receiving the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. We have to do something to receive it. It doesn't just come. We receive. It's a verb. To have the heavens open unto them, to commune with the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, and to enjoy the communion and presence of God, the Father, and Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So just as we're starting out and continue on with this topic, I really want you to think about the priestly privileges that you want. The priestly privileges that you want for your family, for your spouses, for your children, for those that you have stewardship over, and the role that you can play. There, there are many young women and young adult women who struggle with this topic. And they need you to understand it. They need you to be able to speak to them in a clear and concise manner, filled with faith and testimony. They need you to pay the price to open the mysteries of the kingdom of God with them. I literally plead with you to do what the prophet said. Study this topic, and I'll give you more. This one from President Nelson again. How I yearn for you speaking to the women to understand that the restoration of the priesthood is just as relevant to you as a woman as it is to any man. A few years ago, I was at a conference in, in, um, near Palmyra in Rochester, and I just wanted to go down to the priesthood restoration site by myself. This was before I had written the book, but I had priesthood on my mind. Frankly, that we saw my mind pretty much my entire life. But I wanted to be there, and I wanted to be there by myself. So I drove down to this priest of restoration site in Pennsylvania, and as I was, excuse me, as I was standing there, I had this impression. Please help the sisters understand that the priesthood has just as much to do with them as it does to any man. Again, I kept it to myself. But when I heard President Nelson say this in October 2019, I about jumped out of the chair. Because again, I have never heard a prophet say it like that. It was so clear and so obvious. The Lord is teaching his daughters and sons, and we're very careful to not go beyond what the prophets are teaching. But the best way to understand the priesthood according to Elder McConkie is through personal revelation. You can receive, and I hope that you do receive, personal revelation regarding the topic of priesthood. Elder McConkie says you cannot literally learn it in any other way. All the books, all the manuals, all the podcasts, everything that you watch, everything you listen to is great. But you have to pay the price to receive the mysteries of the kingdom of God. You have to be in your scriptures. You have to be willing in prayer. 
you have to be pondering, analyzing, thinking, attending the temple, and teaching. I am a firm believer, a firm knower, that when you strive to teach something, the Lord will help you learn it. One of the greatest ways of learning about the priesthood is just trying to teach someone else. Trying to get the words out, because then you realize how much you don't know, and the Lord will guide you into what you do know, and how you do can know more. Okay, so from Sister Bingham and the Relief Society General Presidency, that just, just released, I don't have a quote from the new presidency, so here we go. This is from Women's Conference 2019. May we extend an invitation to each of you. To all of us who have daughters and sons, nieces and nephews, young women and young men, will you teach them this? Teach them that in church callings, temple ordinances, family relationships, and quiet individual ministry, Latter-day Saint women and men go forward with priesthood power and authority. Teach them the interdependence of men and women in accomplishing God's work through this priesthood power is central to restore the gospel of Jesus Christ and will help prepare the world for the Savior's second coming. There are a lot of things on this quote that I love, and a lot of truths in here, great words. I did an interview recently with Sister Bingham, and she talked a lot about the interdependence of men and women, or women and men. One person, and I'll just say this, I was spoke at a state conference one time, it's not a state conference, state fireside, in Utah Valley. And the state president, after I had spoken, more testimony to the truths of the principles and things that were taught. And then he said to everyone in the room, if there is any individual in this room who is trying to keep their spouse, whether husband or wife, from obtaining the fullness of their priesthood in any way, shape, or form, or keeping them from using their priesthood power and authority, especially in the home, I demand that you come to my office so that I can help you repent. That was, I mean, I was kind of blown away. I wanted to kind of put my head down and walk out and say, okay, the meeting's yours, because I never came here. Good luck to all of you. He was serious. He had this fireside broadcast to every, every building in his state, and he asked that every single adult member and every youth over the age of 12 was in attendance. And he said, this state needs God's power and authority. Every family in this home needs God's power and authority. And he said, I want you to do what God has told you to do. Women, understand and use your priesthood power. Men, understand and use your priesthood power. The synergy is what's going to give amazing power to these families and to our Lord and to our state, etc. I couldn't believe how strong he said it, but after I went home and thought about it, of course. Because for some reason, Satan loves to use competition. For some reason, some people struggle that if my wife has priesthood power, then what does that mean to me? What do I have? There's nothing wrong with thinking that because most people are just trying to figure it out. A better question is, if my wife has priesthood power and authority, and I have priesthood power and authority, how can we synergistically use this priesthood power and authority together? I'm sensitive to so many who are single in the church. You don't have to have a spouse to have a priest in your home. I've said that before. The Lord will compensate. There's a compensatory blessing that comes for every active, covenant-keeping member of this church. Whether you're divorced, whether you're single, whether there's an inactive spouse, whatever the situation is in your life. If you are righteous and keep your covenants, there is a compensatory blessing that will be given to you. And you will be endowed with priesthood power beyond your own ability. All power coming from God is beyond your own ability but he will endow you with the compensatory power that you need to fulfill his commandments and his rules for you on this earth. Do not underestimate your ability with God regardless of your marital status. God needs every individual. Every person's unique and every person has divine gifts, talents, keys, and abilities that are needed in this world today for the salvation of each other. Sister Bingham continues, and this one is our separate talk. She says, I bear my witness that each woman is a beloved daughter of heavenly parents, and in this latter day has been given the opportunity to be endowed with the use of power that will help her achieve all her righteous desire and dreams. 
My hope is the same as President Nelson's, that each of us will take our rightful and needful place in our homes, in our communities, and in the kingdom of God more than we ever have before. So then we have, after these women's talks, and there have been many more, I'm just giving you a few quotes. I love this one from Sister Joy Jones. It's the humility that she's saying in this that I think is extremely important. And I think she's speaking for many members of the church, not just the women, but men as well. I love this commitment to the gospel and this acknowledgement of where she needs to grow. As the general women's president, she said, primary president, sorry. My personal ambition today is that as a woman, I didn't realize earlier in my life that I had access through my confidence to the power of the priesthood. Sisters, I pray that we will recognize and cherish priesthood power as we cleave unto our covenants, embrace the truths of the scriptures, and heed the words of our living prophets. I love that we have the general primary president of the church acknowledging and admitting that she didn't even understand. And she's still in the process of learning, and she's trying, and she's growing. All of us are. Is it too far to say that even the leaders of this church are trying to understand priesthood and what that means? I, 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 I hope in saying this I'm not demeaning anyone. If you think you know everything about the priesthood, you are absolutely kidding yourself. You are. I, I mean that with all the love in the world. And if your spouse thinks he or she knows everything about the priesthood, he or she is kidding themselves, or your son, or your daughter, or whoever it is that you may be talking about. There is so much more to learn. There is so much more. And so we have, this is an example. President David O. McKay, as you know the story, at 96 years old in the temple, looks up and says, I'm finally beginning to get it. The prophet at 96, I don't think there's a single person in here who understands something better than that. And he's saying, beginning. There's a price that has to be paid. We're all paying this price. But like other topics in the church, this is one that we have to continue to study and learn. But the priesthood is a fundamental doctrine that sometimes we look over too quickly. There is so much more. So then again from President Nelson. The heavens are just as, women, as open to women who are endowed with God's power, flowing from their priesthood covenants, as they are to men who bear the priesthood. Notice that the heavens are just as open. I pray that truth will register upon each of your hearts, because I believe it will change your life. Sisters, you have the right to draw liberally upon the Savior's power to help your family and others you love. This was 2019, as he's asking the sisters to understand and use their priesthood power and call upon God's power. Then in October of 2020, notice he says, I renew my invitation for you to increase your understanding of priesthood power and of temple covenants and blessings. In case you didn't get it in 2019, I hope you get it in 2020, right? And you think about the timing of this, you think about COVID, and women, and families, and children, and the role of responsibilities that have to take place with women and men in the church. He needs the women and the men to step up. He's renewing his invitation to increase your understanding. Now, understanding is an incredible word, extremely important word. I love Elder Bednar's book, Increase in Learning. It's one of my all-time favorite books on how to learn and study the gospel and apply it. But in this talk that President Nelson is talking about, he uses this word understanding. And in President or Elder Bednar's word, book, he also uses the word understanding. Understanding is something that happens in the heart, according to Elder Bednar. We often think of understanding as a mental thing that we're doing. But he says, in order to understand something, the Spirit has to confirm to you that it is true. As you go about your process of understanding the priesthood, I pray, pray I literally plead with you again to have the Lord confer upon you, or confirm, I should say confirm, through the Holy Ghost, that what you are studying is true. And be careful, because there are some things you may read that may not be true. But the Holy Ghost is the guide. 
The Holy Ghost will only confirm truth. Pay attention, listen carefully, write and ask the Lord. When I write in my journal, my scriptures, as, as well, but in my, I keep these little thought journals everywhere. When I write things down, I ask Heavenly Father if I have the principle or truth correct. And then I ask him to help me hone it in better, or to change a word, or change a phrase, or change the way I'm thinking, or ask a better question. Often impressions come through the heart, or they come through the mind, but they're not clear. But again, if we're willing to pay a little more of a price and say, now do I have it? Can you please guide me in making sure that this is correct? So the way I'm expressing this is right. He will train you through a process of knowing him. In this last, last year, 2021, BYU, Elder Holland asked the faculty to study and know God, and know how he works. That was a recent talk as well in general conference. Know God, know how he works. President Nelson asked that similar thing this last general conference. We can know God when we allow God to be our teacher, our father. So let him train you. Ask him questions. Help allow him to give you the nuances. When we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, remember we're praying, it means the name of Jesus Christ, Bible Dictionary, because it's according to his will. Well, how do you know it's according to his will? He'll tell you. He'll tell you if you're praying according to his will or not. If you listen and allow correction, he'll correct your prayers. He'll correct your way of thinking. He'll help you ask better questions. So in this last 10 years, I have many more, and frankly, 2021, 2022, had even more general conference talks on the power of priest, or priesthood and women and men. The feature primarily women. This is from 10 years of talks. In the first presidency, former the 12 general society presidents and uh, senior apostles. Again, I can make lists and lists and lists of these. So, I want to take a second. That's all your motivation and understanding that this isn't just something that we're just coming up with out of the blue. This is the Lord through his servants pleading with us to understand these topics. So, I want to look at the definition of priesthood. It has changed. I should say it's changed. The way we have described it has changed. The doctrine of priesthood doesn't change because it's a doctrine. But the way we express it and describe it and the way we understand it has been um, clarified in the last few years. This is, trying to go back a little bit, this is from Elder and Sister Renlund's book on priesthood, Melchizedek Priesthood. It's called, sorry, he says this, they say this. Many members of the church who accept, love, and appreciate the priesthood may find themselves fuzzy on the doctrine and principles. Perhaps that is because the term priesthood is used in at least two ways. First, priesthood is the term used to describe the total power and glory of God. Second, priesthood is also the term used to describe the power and authority that God gives to ordained priesthood holders on the earth to act in all things necessary for the salvation of God's children. In other words, we naturally speak of and have historically spoken of priesthood as it refers to one who holds a priesthood office and has been ordained to his office. That has become our common terminology or nomenclature. But that's not necessarily the definition of priesthood. It's a piece of the priesthood. Many of you know this, the elephant and the blind men of Indostan, and everybody's touching different priorities, and all of them are wrong, they're all right. That's how I see many people over the years talking about the priesthood. We have gotten so much better at talking about this. But to help understand perhaps a little bit, Alma and Sister Renlund talk about how the priesthood can be compared to like the earth. And when you find the earth, some people are talking about the dirt in your hands, while other people are talking about the globe or the earth. And that's similar to the priesthood. We're talking about a man being ordained to a priesthood office. We're talking about dirt that's not meant to be demeaning. Oh, that's, we're talking about a piece of the priesthood, dirt in your hands. But there's a bigger picture, the bigger priesthood. That's the all-encompassing priesthood that we're talking about. So continuing with Elder and Sister Brennan, they say, thus the same word priesthood refers both to God's total power and authority and to that portion of his power and authority that he delegates to man on earth. We have to understand the terminology that the leaders of the church are using so that we can use it correctly with those we are teaching and understanding ourselves. The brethren are trying to make these distinctions and help us better understand the semantics of the terms. 
So this is President Oaks. He has even a, a, another one where he's, where he's spoken in 2021 where he clarifies this as well. This one's a little bit older. He says, while this authority presides in both the family and the church, the priesthood function in a functions in a different way in each of them. This principle is understood and applied by the great church and family leaders I have known. And then notice this, but it is rarely explained. It's becoming explained more and more often to me. Even the scriptures, which record various exercises of priesthood authority, seldom state expressly which principles only apply to the exercise of priesthood authority in a family or in a church, or which apply to both of them. <coughs> Sorry, I had some work off. It's not covid tested. <laughs> it's called Mexico. Okay, I was there. Until they moved to Kirtland. 
but those priesthood keys are restored, and they don't receive the blessings of the priesthood and receive those privileges until Nabu. Which is why the community of Christ Church does not believe in the same things that we do as members of the church, because they believe it stopped before they got to Nabu. It's a major separation between the two churches. There's a major distinction between ours, and we believe women have eternal priesthood to raise families and to have an eternal family and to help other people be saved in the kingdom of God. We're not just interested in mortality, brothers and sisters. We're interested in gods and goddesses. We're interested in priests and priestesses and kings and queens. And we're interested in helping people become that. So this doctrine becomes critical. Finding this quote from President, no, President Ballard. Not only is the priesthood power by which the heavens and the earth were created, but it is also the power the Savior used in his moral ministry to perform miracles, to bless and heal the sick, to bring the dead to life, and, as our Father's only begotten Son, to endure the unbearable pain of Gethsemane and Calvary, thus fulfilling the laws of justice with mercy and providing an infinite atonement and overcoming physical death through resurrection. You cannot be saved and help those who love be saved without the priesthood. And an understanding of how to use that priesthood, an understanding of the power of the priesthood and the authority of the priesthood is going to be extremely critical in this day. How do I know? Because the prophet has said so. We need women and men who understand their priesthood privileges and use them. So tomorrow we're going to talk about the history of the priesthood and talk more about priesthood in the church. Then we'll talk about priesthood in the temple. And then we're going to bring back to them and talk about how we can learn more and call upon God's power. I testify to you that these principles are true. I testify that we have a prophet of God today who has priesthood keys, who indeed is receiving revelation from God and has the authority as the priesthood key holder of this church to be speaking for God to us. I pray that we'll continue to listen to the prophet and do as he's asked us to do. I testify most importantly that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of this world, and this priesthood power that we're talking about is his. And the purpose of the priesthood is to do his work. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen.